world i'm your host john roper and this is the 21st episode of roped in don't worry if you're avid listeners i will eventually stop numbering my episodes it's just i'm still having fun i'm getting into it as i always say and it's still kind of at that point where i can number my episodes but i'm not going to number them all eventually i'm going to get big and famous and i'm going to lose track of all the numbers that i have and what episode i'm on but again right now oh if again if you're an avid listener you're going to realize my hatred of but again. Wow, good punt block. Sorry, I'm like a squirrel when I'm watching football. i got to turn this off. Uh, but yes, 21st episode of Roped In. I'm your host, John Roper. This is December 3rd, so we are 22 days away from Christmas. I'm a huge Christmas fan. Me and my family always love Christmas and getting together. I can't say we can all five of us get together, but some of us are able to get together with family we do have around. Um, Not a huge thing. We've talked about it. Either way, not going to get too much into it. My family is separated. For those that don't know, I'm Jamaican and Canadian. So I have some family that lives in Jamaica and some family that lives up here in Canada with me. But this is not a Christmas and a What's Up With John podcast. This is a sports podcast. That's why you've tuned in. So on today's episode, I'm going to be talking about a repeat segment, Obscure Sports. I'm going to save the surprise. If you've seen the picture or you've read the caption, you're going to know what it is. But if you have not, I'm going to leave the surprise. It's going to come up in a minute or two. You'll find out what it is, but I've got another obscure sport to tell you about. Second segment is Comeback Stories. So this isn't like teams that came back when they were down. I'm talking about players who... who kind of one comeback player of the year who might have been written off, had some serious life things happen to them, and came back and performed in a really good way. And finally, doing another sports roundup. I feel like I haven't done one in a while. I love sports so much. I'm not trying to do this very often because you can just go to TSN or ESPN or Sportsmax or whatever your sports station is where, where you live. And I get this, but I'm a huge sports fan. I'm just going to tell you some of the exciting things that are going on in the world that that I know in sports. So, again, without further ado, sit back, relax, and let's get right into that obscure sports. So, yes, those who are repeat listeners will know that's not the normal tune, but it's December, John loves Christmas, John's trying a thing, I don't know if this is going to last for continuous episodes. Let me know if you guys like this or not in the comment section. I kind of had fun doing this. I love Christmas. I love Christmas carols. So I just threw that little flare into there. It's not going to stick around forever, but it is kind of like a Christmas thing that I'm going to be doing. So maybe it's going to stick around for, for the episodes that I have in December. Either way, I had fun making that. I hope you had fun listening to it. If this is your first time listening, that's not the normal tune. Don't worry. If you're a repeat listener, I hope you enjoyed the mix-up there. But let's get right into that obscure sports, and this week's obscure sport is Sepak Takraw. So, Sepak Takraw is also known as kick volleyball, and that's going to give away a lot of this sport. So, I get into a little bit of the history. So, Sepak Takraw was first introduced at the 1965 Southeast Asia Games. So it was played in a couple of countries, mainly Malaysia, Singapore, Thailand, and Myanmar. All countries, obviously, in Southeast Asia. I shouldn't say obviously, but it's part of the game, so I think you probably could have deduced that. 
So Malaysia, Singapore, Thailand, Myanmar were the main countries that played this, and they all kind of played different iterations. As most people know with sports, in the history and even nowadays, sports are played with different rules depending on where you play because they've just got different iterations. People bring them over and tweak them. They don't remember all the rules when they get back home, so they kind of make it up on the fly, and it's played differently in different areas, and it's just tweaked the rules that you want to play. So those four countries kind of came together and officially created the rules for this official sport, Sepak Takraw, which was, again, then introduced at the 1965 Southeast Asia Games. What's big for Sepak Takraw, again, just a little bit in the history, in 1988, they came out with the International Sepak Takraw Federation. So, like my other obscure sport, Storcio Calcio, that's only played in Florence. They don't really have an international federation. But Sepak Takra is international. They do have a federation as of 1988. Now, that's a bit of the history. Now let's explain what this sport actually is. For those that don't know, you need to YouTube this sport. You need to Google it. Sepak, S-E-P-A-K, Takra, T-A-K-R-A-W. You can also speak into it and it's going to show you it on Google. It is an amazing sport. So again, it's known as kick volleyball, and that gives a little bit of way of what this sport is. It's volleyball, but with your feet. So it's played with a plastic ball, also made with a material called rattan. I don't really know what that is, but for those few listeners that do know what it is, that's what it's made of. It's a kind of intricately woven together ball. It has about like 12 holes in it. I'm, I'm finding a tough way to describe this. But think about like a weave basket, but they formed into a ball. It has to have at least 12 holes in it. That's one of the rules to it. Um, I don't know too much again about it, but again, I know it is a woven ball that's got those holes in it. And it's played on a court that's similar to a badminton court. So it's 13.4 meters long, 6.1 meters wide, and it's got a net halfway through. It's 1.5 meters tall for men and 1.42 meters tall for the women. I'm going to describe this a little poorly, but on the court, there's also per side, two quarter circles and one service circle. So if you're a sports fan, just picture this. If you're not, picture the shapes. So it's the rectangle, but it's divided in half by the net. Now at the halfway mark, think about there being two semicircles on the sideline. So there's two semicircles on the sideline at the halfway mark. But if you put the net halfway down the middle, it's kind of like a quarter circle per side. If you haven't followed along, don't worry. It's not going to matter too much. But if you have, thank you very much for following along to that. Uh, and finally, they've got a server circle. So it's about three quarters of the way back on your half. And it's just smack dab right in the middle. So again, you got those two quarter circles on the top corners. And your service full circle right in the middle. In just this rectangle divided by half. It's... Two teams, and it can be played anywhere from two to four players, but mainly and the only highlights I've ever seen are three players that play this sport per side. Again, it's a player that signs in each circle. So you have one player in one quarter circle, one player in the other quarter circle, and one player standing in that service circle. I am so sorry. I hope you followed along. If not, it's three players per side divided by a net. It's foot volleyball. It's the first to win two sets that win the match. 
Now a set is 21 points. This is very similar to volleyball. You have to win by two, or it's the first to 25 points. So it doesn't just continuously go on forever. That's one of the differences. Uh, how the game starts is it's just a coin toss. Kind of like most, most games, you heads or tails. And then the way the point starts is you have one of your teammates who are standing in the quarter circle up on the top corner. Just give the server a little lob and he kicks that ball over the net. And then it becomes similar to volleyball rules where you have three touches per side to get the ball over the net. Now, here are some of the ways you're going to lose points. I know it's going to sound maybe weird to some of you, but it's easy to explain the rules because how you lose points is also how you get points and certain things like that. So... You're not allowed to jump on the serve. If you jump on the serve, not like it's a fault in tennis or anything, it's an automatic point for the other team. Obviously, you can't hit the ball out of bounds. You can't hit the ball in the net. You can't hit the ball short of the net. Similar to any kind of net rule, you got to hit the ball over in three tries. Similar to volleyball, you cannot touch the net while you are hitting it over. You cannot touch the ball on the other side. So there's a difference to volleyball. I don't know too much of the volleyball rules, but what I do know is I think if the ball goes over, you can run over to the other side and knock it to your teammate if it's the second shot for then the third shot to go back over correctly. You can't do that in setback tackle. If it goes over the net, it's just over, it's out. You can't run over, you can't hit it back. It's it's on the other side, it's done. Uh as I mentioned with the kick volleyball, it is nothing but arms. You can use basically any other part of your body, your foot, your knee, your thigh, your chest, your head. You just can't use that appendage after your shoulder. If it hits your arm or it hits your hand, you're out. Therefore, you also cannot grab the ball. If it touches any object outside of the playing court, that's also out. So if you kick it super high and it hits the roof, that's out. Hits the light, that's out. Bounces off the pole, like the side pole and goes back in. Nope, just kidding. That's out because I hit the side pole. I think you get what I'm saying. You have to hit it over cleanly. Can't hit anything else. And finally, like I've mentioned a few times, it's got that volleyball rule. Three touches. However, the difference with volleyball is this can be the same person in setback tackle. So if it comes over, you can tap it to yourself, tap it to yourself, spike it. Now, I don't know all the different shots to setback tackle. But go and give it a shot. One of the coolest spikes that I've ever seen. It's super athletic. It's definitely martial arts. Bear with me and, and picture this. If, if you know sports and you know those kind of things, you're going to hopefully follow along with this. They jump up in the air. Let's say they jump up off their right foot. They do a spinning tornado in the air. Do a Similar to a bicycle kick in soccer. So if you're following along with me and you're a football fan... There's a bicycle kick in football. So they jump up off the right foot, tornado, bicycle kick with said right foot, and then continue to spin and land on said right foot. So it's an aerialistic gymnastics football move all in one. It's amazing to watch. Again, the net's a little lower than a volleyball net. That's what makes these, these shots available. But hitting it over is, is some kind of athletic feat that they have. So... The teams that mainly play it are teams in South Southeast Asia. I've really only seen international teams. I'm sure some of these Southeast Asia countries have leagues in there, but it's really predominantly just an internationally known sport right now. So again, those main countries in Southeast Asia, Japan, uh, South Korea plays this, and also USA and Canada. So in Canada, 
In 2000, they were actually named a Class E member of the Olympic Committee. So they've got their own kind of federation here in Canada for setback tackrawl. If you're listening to this and you want to give me a job, let me know. I'm happy to work for you. I love the sport. Uh, I, I'm learning more about it. This isn't an interview. This is a, a podcast. Sorry for those listening. But again, setback tackrawl Canada, give me a job. I'd love to have one. So, so those are the countries that predominantly play it. Um, again, they have international events. It's not consistent. It's not like they have it yearly. In Southeast Asia, they do have the international events. It's part of the Southeast Asian Games and part of the Asian Games every year or every other year. So it it, it is really played down there. And I wouldn't say it's going to grow popularity and become an amazing sport. I would love to see it in the Olympics one day. I think it's amazing to watch. And I think a lot of countries could come out there and do it. Right now, there are actually 54 competing nations in this International Sepak Takraw Federation. One of them is not Jamaica. So, who knows? As I've mentioned earlier, and for those that don't know, I'm a Jamaican. So, maybe I'm going to start the Jamaican Sepak Takraw Association and, and bring us to the Olympics. And we're going to make gold and we're going to take glory. And, and this podcast is, is going to help me get to there. Not really. I don't think that's going to happen. I'm going to wish it. I'm not going to say I'm not going to try, but I'm, I'm really mainly going to focus on this podcast. That's what I love to do. As I've mentioned, there's 54 competing nations. The, the country that's mainly dominated it has been Thailand. Thailand, they, they've won basically every competition the past like three international competitions. They're consistently dominating. They've historically consistently dominated. It's, it's, they're a country that's, I'm going to say it again, dominated the sport. So there you have it. I hope you followed along. It, it wasn't as easy to describe as Storcio Calcio, uh, just because, I guess, the nature of the game and those kind of things. So I, I really hope you follow along. I know it might not have been the easiest. But I'm having a lot of fun learning about these random sports around the world that I don't watch on TV and I might not have ever known if I didn't start this podcast and I didn't do the research. But there you have it. This one I actually did know before going into all of this. Sepak Takra, I knew. I can't remember how I knew it, but I've mentioned it. I've thrown it on a resume. I've thrown it on a cover letter. Trying to get jobs at random places like ESPN, TSN, Sportsnet. If you're listening, read my resume, read my cover letter. I apply once every two or three months. John Roper is my name. Look out for it. If you're my current employer and you're listening to this, I love working where I am. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to get too much more into that. There you have it. That's Setback Tackroff. I sure hope you've been loving this Christmas-themed musical edition. If not, let me know in the comment section. If enough of you let me know, I will stop doing it. So please, your voices do matter to me. Thank you very much to the friends and family that have already commented on some of my Instagram posts. For those that haven't, Go ahead and give it a shout. It's at Roped in the Podcast on Instagram. I'm getting there. I'm going to be honest with you. I suck at social media. I suck at posting. So it really is just my episode post right now. But I will get there. So so give the page a follow. Give the, the post a like. Leave a comment on what you think. Uh, and before I get further into it, today's episode brought to you by Milo and a little bit of Bailey's. I'm having some hot Milo and Bailey's right now because it's a chilly Sunday morning here in Canada. But all of this being said, leads me into my second segment. It's the comeback stories. So again, these ones are more athletic career comeback stories. 
I'm not going to do a crazy deep dive into all of these. I had way too many names when I was doing research, so I do want to let you know about them. So it's not going to be like a deep dive into the player's career. It's more just stories that I'm like, you know what? I really like this story. I think it's impressive to come back from. I know there are some that I've missed, so please let me know in the comment section some of your favorite comeback stories. I'd love to learn more. Let me know which one I've missed so those that are listening to this can also read the comment section and also learn more as well. But we're going to dive right into it. And the first one I'm going to get into is going to be football. So it's mainly, I'm going to start there because that's kind of where it led me to this, this segment. Initially, yes, this is going to be a, a paper trail way of John explaining how this segment came to life. Last night, the Dallas Mavericks had a 30-0 and potential comeback against the Oklahoma City Thunder, which then made me start thinking of comebacks. I was going to do and going to do in the future a segment on biggest comebacks of like teams and games. But then it got me thinking of the Geno Smith. They wrote me off, but I ain't right back. That was also said by Washington's Penix Smith. Uh, I think it was said by him at least. Uh, by Penix Jr. Uh, the other day, I think they were talking about how they wrote Washington off, but they ain't right back. But Geno Smith was the first one that wrote it. So to put that quote into context... Last year, Geno Smith was Comeback Player of the Year for the NFL. Now, I can't say this story is amazing, but it's what triggered it, so I'm going to briefly mention it. Geno Smith was a decently high draft pick. If I'm correct, he was drafted to the New York Jets. Pretty high on in the first round. Didn't have terrible years, but also just didn't really produce. Kind of fell out of the rotation, just became backups, and just kind of almost, in a way, fell out of the league, pretty much. Just didn't really show that he was going to be a capable starting quarterback. Then Seattle brings him in, and this is where they, Seattle made the big trade to get rid of Russell Wilson, and, and they got Drew Locke out of Denver. Now, I actually think Geno Smith was brought in to be a bit of a veteran and just compete with Drew Locke, but Geno Smith ended up being the starting quarterback. Then he performed really, really well after a couple of games, and after one of them, they, they asked him, uh, I can't remember what does it feel like to come back, and basically he had the quote, they wrote me off, but I didn't write back. A lot of people have said that in sports. They've written people off. It's not only a sports term. You write things off. That's just a term in business and organizations. But again, he said he didn't write back, and he just came back, and he balled out last year and was comeback player of the year. So that's where I'm going to start to mention Geno Smith, quarterback of the Seattle Seahawks. Next up, I'm going with some more football, and it was one of my favorite quarterbacks to watch as of so brief that it was, it was Andrew Luck. So Andrew Luck was the number one overall pick. He was going to be the next great quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts after they got rid of Peyton Manning. They got rid of Peyton Manning, I think, for injury reasons, but also it was just time to move on. But they didn't really have a good O-line, and poor Andrew Luck just kept getting sacked. So he... Got too many injuries, and he actually had to miss the entire 2017 season. And he missed actually roughly 18 months without even throwing a football. So, that's put into perspective, year and a half, simple math. Year and a half of not throwing a football as an NFL quarterback is going to take some, take some skill off, I think. However, it didn't really do that too much. There were questions raised about his arm strength. But he bounced back. I mean, he had a slow start, but again, he didn't play for 18 months. But then he led a playoff contending team. The Colts won nine of their last 10 games in his last season. 
He finished only second to sorry, finished second only to Patrick Mahomes. He had 39 touchdowns with 4,500 yards. Coming off, again, that surgery of not throwing the ball for a year and a half, playing on a team that I don't really think had crazy, crazy weapons. Uh, he had Frank Reich as his coach, which which helped. Frank Reich just got sacked by the Panthers. I think the Panthers got bigger problems on their end. But Frank Reich, I think, is a good coach. Maybe not a head coach. But we're not getting into Frank Reich. This is Andrew Luck. He came back and he won Comeback Player of the Year, I think, in 2018. But he was one of the stories that I absolutely loved watching in football. And finally, another quarterback in football. I shouldn't say finally, but just keeping it with football because I want to get to other sports. But another one that was in, in, I shouldn't say my time in my era, but these are the stories that I'm kind of getting into, the stories that I really remember. So Alex Smith was another one. Alex Smith was a, a highly drafted quarterback. Uh, he, he was absolutely amazing. Um, I shouldn't say absolutely amazing. He, he didn't peak. He's not like a Hall of Fame quarterback, but he was a really good quarterback. He reminded me of like a Phillip Rivers if he was on the right team and, and had a good enough defense and then performed well enough. But he was going to win you games and he put the ball in the right areas, had some really, really good games, but also had some bad ones. Either way, November 18th of 2018, Alex Smith had a gruesome injury. Absolutely gruesome. He had a spiral and compound fracture to his right tibula and fibula. Um, it was one of the injuries that I think, behind the Lawrence Taylor injury on Joe Theismann, there's not many injuries or quarterback hits that I looked at that was like, damn, that is bad. So, I'm not telling you to look it up. It was a pretty gruesome injury, but he got folded pretty bad and... and and what everyone thought was going to be a career-ending injury. So three days after the surgery, um, he actually found himself battering for life because he developed sepsis, uh, sorry, sepsis uh, as a result of the bacterial infection called necrotizing fasci fasciitis. Uh, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a medical person. If I pronounce that wrong, I'm sorry. I don't really know what that is. But it was a gruesome injury and almost took his life. Um, they thought about actually just amputating his leg just to stop it from growing, but they finally got it under control over the next nine months. He went under 17 different surgeries, um, which is absolutely ridiculous. He, he has an external fixation device. Um, all this being said in June, 2019, he actually said, no, I'm going to play again. And, uh, in August, 2020, I think is when he was actually cleared to, to rejoin a team. Uh, and he, he rejoined the, the Washington Redskins at the time. They were the Redskins. They are now the commanders. I wish they changed that name too. I want them to go back to the football team. That was better than the commanders, but this isn't a Washington football team commander segment. This says all props to Alex Smith who came back after 17 surgeries in nine months and almost dying. And he came back, and he won the Comeback Player of the Year. Yeah, he didn't come back to a Pro Bowl level, but he came back, and he won a couple of games, and he was the reason they won a couple of games. And he was a good quarterback up until he retired. So so there you have it. Those are some of the football comeback players that I have. Now we're going to move on to baseball. Now, I'm going to be honest. I don't know too much about this player, but in the research I got, I had to mention him. So it was Ted Williams. Ted Williams is one of the greatest baseball hitters 
of all time. However, he was also a military man. He served during, um, I think it was the World War II and then also the Korean War. So he served during the 40s and the 50s, which was both during his playing career in a cumulative of, I think he missed five to six years. Uh, so Ted Williams was a career 344 hitter. For those that don't know, he hit the ball 34% of the time. For those that don't know, that's crazy good in baseball. Um, he also had 521 home runs, so he's a big home run player. He actually hit, I think he's the last player to hit over 400 in a season. Again, that's 40%. That is crazy in baseball. You try hitting a ball going that fast with a bat that small. So... What's crazy with Ted Williams and why I think he deserved a lot of comeback is he went and served in, in the World War II for three years and the Korean War for two years. So think about professionally training for a sport that long and then going away from a sport and going to do something as physically strenuous and, and, and mentally strenuous as fighting in the World War and then coming back and still being a dominant hitter. That's where I have Ted Williams in there. Uh, baseball is going to be a little bit, to be honest with you, all the rest of these ones are going to be a little bit shorter than football because football was one of the big sports that I, that I watched and had crazy comebacks. So we're moving on to another person in baseball. In 2005, Ken Griffey Jr. won the, the comeback player of the year award. I think he absolutely deserved it. He had some, some pretty serious injuries ranging between 2000 to 2004, so he was an amazing player uh, in his heyday with the Seattle Mariners, uh, uh, a true superstar. One of the reasons I love the sport. Um, uh, he had a torn hamstring, a torn knee tendon, a dislocated shoulder, or torn ankle tissue. Um, crazy amounts of things during that four-year stretch, again, from 2000 to 2004. But in the 2004, sorry, in 2005... He came back with the Cincinnati Reds, hit 30%, so 301, 35 home runs, which was the most home runs in the season since 2000 and before all those injuries. So it was crazy to see him come back after battling all those injuries. A lot of people kind of had written him off. I shouldn't say including myself. I was seven at the time. I didn't know sports that much. But I do know in the research that I've seen, people had written him off and thought that not his career was over, but he wasn't going to come back and be a productive person. And then he hit 300 with 35 home runs for the Reds. So that's huge. Another person in baseball that was big. This one I remember a little bit. And, and the next couple of ones are, are, are mainly going to hit home to me. Mainly because of what they've overcome. I just said mainly way too many times. So these people are cancer survivors. Now I've known way too many people recently in my life that have battled cancer. Some of whom have survived which is absolutely amazing. Um, some of whom who unfortunately lost the battle. I'm not going to get into it too much. Um, friends and family, you also know. Uh, but yes, this is a, a sports comeback award, uh, and we're going to get into Trey Mancini in baseball. So Trey Mancini is a Baltimore Orioles outfielder, or was at the time when he won the award. Uh, he missed the entire 2020 season after being diagnosed with stage 3 colon cancer. Um, he battled it the entire season. And then when the season finished. Amazing news. He was cancer free. 
came back, and in 2021, he hits 21 home runs with 71 RBIs. Now, yes, this isn't blowing your mind away, but you beat cancer and then come back and hit 20 home runs and tell me that's not amazing. Trey Mancini, you deserve the award. What an amazing comeback player. Switching sports a little bit, we've got Hockey Hall of Fame. So, actually, you know what? Not going into the Hockey Hall of Fame. Uh, that's where one of the players is now. Um, that's where I've, I got some of my, my info on. But sticking with, I shouldn't say sticking with the cancer theme because that's a dark theme. But moving on to hockey, um, some of my good friends that are listeners, if you're listening to this, let me know. I'm giving a shout out to your team. Uh, Phil the Thrill, Phil Kessel was a legend. Uh, I shouldn't say was a legend, but my friends who are Maple Leafs fans love Phil Kessel. Um, so Phil Kessel's on this list. He battled cancer. He came back. He won player of the year or comeback player of the year. I, I'm not going to say I absolutely remember the season. I think it was 2006 or 2007 around then maybe. But either way, he battled cancer halfway through the season, came back, was still a productive player. Um, Phil the Thrill, Phil Kessel. But another hockey player that that deserved, come, I, sh- I shouldn't say deserved in that kind of a tone like Phil didn't, but another hockey player that one comeback player of the year that fully deserved it is Tim Kerr, and he's in the Hockey Hall of Fame like I kind of mentioned about a minute or two ago. So Tim Kerr battled so many injuries. He, uh, what was it? He had two different shoulder surgeries, had a knee surgery, Broke his leg. I mean, he had four or five different surgeries between like 86 and 89. And to kind of wrap it all off, during the 88-89 season, he was hospitalized with aseptic meningitis, which is a viral infection that's lining the brain, which causes severe headaches. Still, after all of this, he overcame all of this, and he had 48 goals and 40 assists for the Philadelphia Flyers. And won the Masterton Trophy, which I think just exhibits amazing, like, desire to play the game. But I also viewed as a comeback player, and not as a comeback player, but in his case, a comeback player for for being diagnosed with that uh, aseptic meningitis and still getting 88 points on the season. Absolutely amazing. Tim Kerr, you're a hero. Finally, we've got Chris Letang. So, Chris Letang, in the research that I showed... Suffered two strokes, but he had one season in which he won Comeback Player of the Year, or sorry, this Masterton Trophy, and I think he fully deserved it. it. So he had suffered a stroke on November 28th of 2022, which actually was his second stroke. He returned to play 12 days later and led the the Penguins in ice time. So he, he played the most for his team. Some are going to say, oh, well, you had 12 days to rest. Screw you, he had a stroke. Um, so he, he missed more than two months having the first one. And then he missed 12 days having the second one. I wouldn't say, Oh, look at that. He's a hero for the second one. I don't know enough about strokes and the, and stuff to it, but he had two strokes. Um, he also missed 11 games in that 2022 season with a broken foot. Uh, and unfortunately his father passed away in that season. So, again, he suffered a stroke, had a broken foot, and lost his father all in one season. But he actually had an amazing season with 41 points in 64 games. Overcame a lot of adversity. And Chris Letang, this is where I'm saying it's not only physical stuff that I think people deserve to be comeback player of the year. It's 
It's the mental side. It's it's things like what Isaiah Thomas did in basketball, where his sister passed away, and then he came back the very next day for the Celtics and won a playoff game. Freaking Celtics. Screw the Celtics. The Celtics suck. Another reason I hate them. They did him dirty and then just traded him right after. Um, gah, got my blood boiling because I hate the Celtics so much. Um, but those are some of the, the, the big sports. Now moving on, another player that I'm going to mention is Andre Agassi. So Andre Agassi was a face of, of men's tennis um, in the early 90s, especially U.S. tennis. It, it, it kind of looked like he could do no wrong, but then he had a couple of scandals and he was a big drug addict. So he kind of fell out of contention. Uh, I can't roughly remember when, but it was around like 1997, like late 90s, that he he really dropped in the world rankings and he fell to, I think it was the number 141. Uh, however, he got his life back on track, um, came back to a little bit of glory, turned things around, and reached four consecutive Grand Slam finals from 1999 to 2000. He ended up retiring in 2006, in which he won eight Grand Slam titles, five of which came after his kind of dark years. So, yes, he could have easily been training during rehab, but to to take your mind away from that physical dominance and to, to be at the peak, take your mind away, come back and still be at the peak, I think deserves some kind of an award. Um, I wouldn't say it deserves an award because you were, I'm not going to also word it this way, you were a drug addict and you deserved it, but in a way you put it on yourself. Um, so there's that. And then we're moving on to Tiger Woods. So Tiger Woods has always been a top of golf his entire career. Uh, and then in 2009, he had a horrific car accident. So he was winning major, 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 winning so many majors. He's a Hall of Fame major. He's too amazing. Um, and then again, in 2009, he had a horrific car accident and has just had too many injuries, too many surgeries, just a slur of things. But why I'm throwing Tiger Woods in here, in, I think it was 2019, he won his fifth green jacket, 15th major, and his first major in 11 years. For those that don't know, majors in golf are very hard tournaments to win. So he came back. A lot of people didn't think he was going to win another major. I held on to hope. I'm a huge Tiger fan. I wouldn't say he's the reason I got into golf. But like most people, I loved watching him. Ricky Fowler was my favorite golfer growing up. Um, but Tiger Woods, props to you for coming back. There you have it. Those are kind of some of the big names that I did research on and, and people that I remember coming back from what I thought were pretty insurmountable odds. And here we are with another sports roundup segment. So again, just some big news in John's sports world that's going on. So we're going to start off with one of the things that triggered the last segment, like I mentioned. It was the Mavs almost completing one of the greatest comebacks in NBA history. So they did make history with a run last night. So they were playing, Dallas Mavericks were playing the Oklahoma City Thunder, and they had a 30 to nothing run. I kid you not, 30 to nothing. It's the greatest run in NBA history. And almost capped amazing comeback. It, 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 they came back and took the lead off that one. Um, however, they ended up losing the game 126 to 120, if I'm correct. So it wasn't enough to come back, but 
boy, was it almost amazing that it happened last night. Sticking with the basketball is their in-season, like I talked about, their in-season tournament. It's continuing, and they've now moved on to the, the playoff knockout round stages of it all. So out in the West, number one seed was the Lakers, number two seed was the Kings, number three seed was the Pelicans, and that number four wildcard seed team was the Suns. Out East had number one Bucks, number two Pacers, number three Celtics, with the wildcard team, number four being the Knicks. So those are the eight teams that are moving on. Lakers play the Suns, Kings play the Pels, Bucks play the Knicks, and Pacers play the Celtics. I'm going to give my little mini prediction here. I think the Suns beat the Lakers. Actually, you know what? No. I'm going to go out there. Lakers beat the Suns, and I think the Pelicans beat the Kings. Then, actually, Pelicans beat Lakers. Pelicans move on to the championship from the West. I've got the Bucks beating the Knicks. Celtics beating the Pacers. Celtics beating the Bucks. Celtics beating the Pelicans. Celtics winning it all. I know I absolutely hate the Celtics. But I'm also a sports fan, and I've got to let you know who I think is going to win it, and it is the Celtics as much as I hate them. So that's the in-season bracket. Again, congratulations to the eight teams that have made it this far. Other things going on in the world, Eagles 49ers is just beginning now as of the time of recording. So let's go Eagles. I hope you win this. Um, other big things going on in the sports world, Formula I got to stop saying that because this is sports roundup. Of course, everything that I'm mentioning right now is big things going on in the sports world. So the next topic I'm going to mention is that the Formula One grid is complete. So in my last episode, which was one of my favorite episodes to record, I had so much fun doing it. I hope you guys had fun listening to it. But we were talking how Logan Sargent hadn't signed his seat yet and he was the only open seat left. Well, like we kind of said, he re-signed and that Formula One grid is now complete for the next season. Another big thing happening is Jackson Churio. I hope I pronounced that correctly, but he's just agreed to a four-year, $82 million deal. Sorry, just kidding. Eight-year, sorry, eight-year, $82 million contract. He's 19 years old. He's he's an international player, and he's never played a game of baseball. Sorry, he's never played a game of Major League Baseball. So that's huge to throw an eight-year contract his way when he's never played. But I think they're thinking that he's going to pan out. Might as well lock him down, kind of like a Fernando Tatis kind of a thing. I stole that reference from my friend last night, Matthew. Thanks for that reference. But they're just trying to lock him down long-term. They think he can come out. And if he does, they've got this star player for eight years. So this could be a good deal for Milwaukee. If not, this could be great for Chicago because they've just tied up 82 mil to a guy that might not be great for the next eight years. Haha. <laughs> Um, other big ones that have happened, I gotta stop saying that, like I said. So, college football has just recently announced their playoff bracket. I believe it was this morning or late last night. So, some big games have recently happened in the conference finals. Alabama beat Georgia by three. They were the eighth seed and Georgia was the one seed. So, they've actually now jumped up to the fourth seed, which is going to be big. Uh, Texas won. I thought they kind of had to win to really prove it, so they won their Big 12 championship. They're also in there. Michigan beat Iowa in the Big 10 championship. They just absolutely shut out Iowa. I think it was 26 nothing. Um, poor Iowa couldn't score a single point. And Washington uh, remained undefeated. They beat Oregon in another big match. They've beat some pretty good schools, and they've gotten in there. So you've got number one, Michigan. 
number two, Washington, number three, Texas, and number four, Alabama as the college football bracket competing for that championship. Now it's got Michigan, Alabama, and Washington, Texas. This is going to be a tough one to predict. I want to go Alabama on this one, but Michigan's just really proving they're a goddamn complete team this year. I've got Michigan beating Alabama, and then I've actually got Washington beating Texas. I'm not going to say Texas doesn't deserve it. I think Georgia's better than Texas. I understand reasons as to why Georgia's not in it because they just lost to Alabama. But I think that Georgia's actually better than Texas. No knock on Texas. I'm so sorry. I just love that Georgia defense. So I think Washington beats Texas. I think Michigan beats Alabama. So it's the number one and the number two seeds that move on. However, this is where it's the shocker. I'm actually going to have Washington beating Michigan on this one. Um, I know, big surprise. I don't know a lot about college football, so I could be crazy on this one. But there's my predictions on it. Uh, Looping back a little bit to baseball. Shohei Otani, he's a big free agent, so he's got some sweep takes going on right now. I saw a thing that he's now down to, I think it's four final teams. Don't quote me on this, but I know three of the teams are the Dodgers, Jays, and Cubs. And I think the fourth team is the Giants. If it's not, it's the Angels. It's another California team. But big news for my Cubs. Uh, Again, I live here in Canada, so a lot of Jays fans, a lot of people are excited. They're also front-running sweepstakes to get Juan Soto. So this could be a crazy big offseason for for the Jays. But I want the Cubs to get Shohei Otani. So Shohei, if you're listening to this, I'm not going to entice you anyway, but if you want, give me a call. I'll let you know how amazing it is. Uh, yeah, that's going on there. And and the final big thing that's going on in sports, at least in my sports world that I wanted to mention, actually, two final things. Chelsea beat Brighton. So my dad, he's an avid listener. Thank you for listening every time. I'm sorry to rub it in this way, but Chelsea had a red card and beat Brighton. I only caught the tail end of it. I woke up to watch the beginning, but it was 6 a.m. my time. I fell back asleep, and I caught the tail end of it right as Chelsea was about to score a penalty. Um, So at that point, we already had the red card. But again, Chelsea won 3-2. That leads me on to this final segment now of this final segment of the episode, and it's the UEFA 2024 Euros. The, The group has... Not necessarily fully been announced, but uh, a lot of the pots have been put in there. I wouldn't say I know what a group of death is going to be. In the Euros, it's it's shocking every single year how many teams do it. As of right now, my group of death might be Group B with Spain, Croatia, Italy, and Albania. Just because Spain, Croatia, and Italy are very good. Um, but you never know. I mean, there's some other good ones. Netherlands, France are in a group together. Uh, Portugal's in one. Uh, yeah, getting into it. I'm going to have a segment coming out of the Euro 24s, but the groups were announced. I'm, I'm very excited for those that don't know. It's a competition of all the European nations and soccer happening in 2024. So there you have it. That was a scattered all around the place sports roundup. I'm very sorry it was all over the place, but again, it's one where, ah, stop saying, but again, John. For those that aren't listening, me saying but again all over the place, I I know I've mentioned it. It's not necessarily me harping on myself as much as it's me trying to make fun of myself with you guys. So I hope you're laughing along with it. Again, it's it's my way of the Robert Sherbatsky where she just kept saying but um. It's my but again. It's my jokeful way to go around there. But there you have it. That was my sports roundup. 
Let's go Eagles. They're playing right now. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Let's go. Here we go, folks. What a roundup. And that marks the end of the 21st episode of Roped In. Again, I'm your host, John Roper. As I've always said, if you're a repeat listener, thank you so much for coming back. I'm glad I said the right things to entertain you enough to want to come back. If this is your first time listening, thank you for making it all the way to the end. And I hope I've said enough things to make you want to come back for the next episode, which happens every Sunday at 5 p.m. Give my Instagram page at Roped In the Podcast a like and a comment and a follow. Every amount helps. Thank you very much for listening. And as always, Hakuna Matata. <laughs> <laughs>